0: I think you call repentance just changing your mind. Mm -hmm. But the gospel is not just changing your mind. It's not just just changing your mind about how to live in this life. The gospel is actually repentance and reconciliation with God. Mm. Right. Well, um, I would put it differently. Oh, you do. That's why I'm here, that's why go, I'm bring- baby. That's <laughs> why. I'm, that's yeah. why I'm bringing it yeah. up. Because I, I, Can I just, just want just- to
1: make a prediction. <laughs> I'm on Jamal's team on this one. <laughs> no, I,
2: I do think I'm that- the captain.
1: my usual No, spot. actually, I have Jamal here. <coughs> um, a of reasons that are my own. Because
2: uh, within striking distance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll get to our guests in a second. I do have to spend like two minutes. I have to mention this book. It's been way overdue from the speakeasy Oh. A super secret book club where I read it okay. and I talk about it. But it's um, th- it's about the Book of Ruth. It's called Finding God in the Margins, and it's like a study guide slash commentary. It's like a cute... not cute. It's a little book. uh, It's a little book, but it's packed with a bunch of um, awesome information on the book of Ruth uh, with study questions and everything. It has a... it it, it brings in real-world examples of refugees and basically bringing the story of Ruth and the people involved in that book and using real-world examples to bring us in connection with what it would have been like back then, which is pretty sweet. Um,
2: so the title, Finding God in the Margins, the margins is... Do you know? Like, uh, it's, it's, marginalized?
1: Yes, it's the people that, like, for example, Ruth and Naomi being um the, the women in the story lose their sons uh and, and husband and so basically a woman's worth was in giving sons to her husband right and so if or if you were a widow you lost your husband you, you didn't have worth in the, especially if you didn't have family right um and so and also they became refugees and and she she draws a correlation between this and job as a being kind of a female Job story, which is an interesting uh, connection. That uh, Feel free to chime in if you want, Jamal. You're not, you're not silenced at all. <laughs> but uh, it's a good, it's a, if you're looking for a study guide, if you've got a small group or you're just interested, um, I, I'm finding it very, very interesting and uh, deeper than you would think. The book is not long, but you can get in there and, and uh, get a lot out of it, and she helps you do that. Ruth does? The author. Oh. Carolyn. Jeff, help me. Carolyn.
2: Oh, sorry. Carolyn Curtis James.
1: I received this book free from the author and or publisher through the Speakeasy Blogging Book Review Network. I was not required to give a positive review. The opinions I have expressed are my own. I am disclosing this in accordance with the Federal Trade Commission's. 16 CFR part 255 All right. Well, we have somebody
3: in the, the Bros Bibles of Beer World headquarters. Jamal Javanji, welcome back. Jamal. Yeah, guys, good to it's good to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, thanks for driving out. Yeah, I always enjoy the conversations.
2: I'm so yes. glad that I'm I'm here cuz last time I wasn't here and I I so <laughs> missed that cuz I love your energy.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Good. it's good to be with you guys, for sure.
1: And Jeff, you had met Jamal a couple times at At their recording.
2: At the Heritage Happy recording. Yes, yes. And so I I keep forgetting you weren't here when it was just Scott, Jamal, and myself. Um, I'm trying to find... I recall having a conversation, I think it was, I don't know if it was before or after recording, probably after. And you were talking. Um, I can't remember the story you were telling, but one of the guys was calling. He was calling BS. Like that's a little heresy, or <laughs> And I'm, I'm thinking a like, I'm like, I could, yeah, I know. I'm like, I could travel down that path with with Jamal, but I see where you know. I wish I could recall the conversation, but it was at the very least, you're it's you're very intriguing to. Listen to so. Uh, I, thank you, appreciate I, it. I appreciate your knowledge and your passion.
3: Well, thank Definitely. you. I I appreciate the space you guys hold for these kind of conversations. I think they're
2: important. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah, the episode you were on was number ninety one, and so we we, get, we go pretty deep into your story, hmm. which I'm sure we'll get some tidbits here and there. You you talk about your your dad and stuff in the in the book. Um, the new book and so and you teased the book out we were honored that you I think revealed the title for the first time on our podcast that's right I
3: I remember that that's yeah
1: yeah so
3: then he changed it now it's way better
1: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah if you want to listen to that uh, episode 91 it's a a good two and
2: a half hour piece of the conversation So, so I gotta I just just to start off here like what what drives you what just what drives you in life?
3: Mm, that's a, what a great question. That's a fantastic question. Um you know, not not to be cliché, but I feel like life uh just life um uh it just you know, I've had some dark spots, you know, spaces in my life. I've I've had some um points where like, you know, I, I really felt in, in like a lot of darkness and felt very lost. And so, coming out of that, um I just recognize that Um, it's all a gift. I really do feel that. Like every day is, um, like I I never know what to expect, you know? So I used to approach life like same old, same old, another day, another thing, but I I really don't. I just feel like I have the keys to my life in my hands Mm. and uh, that feels good. And so that drives me.
2: I love that. And uh, I'm in the darkness. Is it just like looking back and thinking that the days are just passing by? Like, as yeah. opposed to capturing the moments, you
3: know, I think, um, I think, I, I mean, there's a lot more I can say about this, but I think uh, feeling like a victim. So mm. uh, uh, there's a stage. I, my my understanding of like consciousness. Everyone's a, you know has different is in different places. But for me, I just most of my life and a lot of this, you know, I talk about in the book a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, just feeling like the thing I need is outside of my control is outside of my reach. And so I'm always living life feeling like, man, it's just not, I'm grasping. And so that, um, that, that felt very dark, uh, and it things get taken from you and you feel like you don't have a recourse and you're losing, Mm. you're losing, uh, all the things you hold dear. And that just feels like, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it, that's, I felt like a victim, like things outside of my control were, were affecting my peace of mind, my, my sense of being. And, hmm. um, I had to go through that because I had to, I feel like if you're, whatever you're chasing, you'll always be chasing. And so I had to realize that everything I was chasing, like, the, here's a quote, uh, somebody, I can't remember exactly who said it. Um, it was a roomie or somebody said that I was knocking on on the door of heaven all my life and i realized at the end that i was knocking from the inside <laughs> and and, wow. I, and i love that because that's how i felt I, Like waking up was realizing like the thing i've been chasing for i, I actually i'm actually right there like i i'm I'm, in, I'm there already and so that i know it sounds cliche but that's really my awakening process so coming out of that brought me out of darkness
1: when was that what when was that time period in your life
3: 2014 2015 you know, that's recent. Yeah. To the last five years for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've had stages of it. I've had stages of it, you know, uh, sure. throughout. I mean, I've had, you know, it's cyclical, but that was the most severe, I would say.
1: Was there a specific trigger either into or out of that?
3: Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a whole other, uh, you know, I, I, so I became a quote unquote born again Christian when I was around 18 years yeah. old. And so about that, About that time, you know, I was all my whole purpose was like I wanted to please God, serve God, do whatever God wanted me to do. Uh, That eventually led me to becoming a pastor, planting a church. So after a few years of doing that, I realized that what I had been doing in my work, ministry work, was exactly the thing I said I wasn't going to do. Because In my heart, I wanted to plant the church like I read about in the Bible, the New Testament church, the Acts church. I really thought, man, this is going to be
2: it. So so, what was it that you were doing that you're like I didn't want to be doing this?
3: Well, after about two or three years of of leading it, I just real- I I'd, I'd realized like I, I I was building a company, an organization. That I was calling the church, but hmm. it really was a machine, and uh, there was a, a lot of a lot of ways that, and I eventually traveled, did some overseas traveling. Where I saw some things that were outside of my Western context. And that's kind of the essence I got it was like, man, I, t- I set out not to do this and I'm doing this. So my heart was, I want to belong to the thing that God has designed. I want to belong to the real deal. So that led me out of institutional religion. And, okay. um, and then I thought I had found it, especially like organic church concepts. Right. And it was always, again, it's always the thing I'm chasing. If I, if I can belong to this thing, now I'm, I'm in the real church. I'm in the, kind of a the real thing that God has designed and I would join yeah. that became part of that. And again, it's like whatever you're chasing, you're always chasing and it, it I realized that's not it either.
2: Okay, okay. But so I'm going <clears> to <throat> just yeah. pause for a moment. I so this past week I was listening to a message and there was the the comment of you we we almost trick ourselves into believing that we're following Christ but the trick is that, you know, we're. it's not that we're faking it, but I mean, I, I guess it could be, you know, how, you know, you, how you are on Sunday and then the rest of the week is, you know, church of Sunday and the rest of the week is, you know, up for grabs. But there's this, like, I, you know, I'm following Christ, but in the back of your mind, you do things that you, when you really reflect on it, you realize Man, I'm fooling my, I'm fooling myself, and I know it, but I continue. Uh, I heard that from, uh, I think it was uh, the message from our church this past week, and I'm like, uh, it gave me pause because I thought for a moment. I mean, as you're saying this, I'm like, you set out to do something, but then at some point, you you still end up chasing something.
1: Mm. Like, Did you feel convicted? Is that what you're saying, Jeff?
2: <laughs> Did it? So I guess. Um, I mean, is that what you're, is that kind of what you're talking about? Like I started out to something and then all of a sudden this is not,
3: yeah. Yeah. You have checks, So there's like two parts of us that I would call that the ego self or the, the story self. And we have this part of us that's has this longing to do something significant, you know? And so I had this battle in me, like, I want, I want to be significant. I want to do something great, you know? Um, and then there's another part of me that. I would call my uh, my true self the part where this is the place where God dwells, <laughs> um, and I would know that that's a bunch of BS. Like actually, mm. you do you know, And I would hear this message was you don't need to do anything. Like I would hear this message in college. I went to Liberty University, uh, big time, you know, Christian school, and uh, the motto there was be a champion for Christ, do something great for God. And everybody was like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna leave this school. We're gonna. We're gonna take over the world, you know. Slay we're gonna,
1: your own Goliath. <laughs> we're, we're gonna do something
3: great for God, and and that was the, that was the idea. Like they would hold up the founder, just Jerry Falwell, and he did a great thing for God, and everyone else can do that as well. And it was this thing, it was this quest. And I remember distinct moments when I was there, where it was a paradigm shift. And I remember like just some moments, and honestly, I I felt like God was communicating to me to my spirit and was saying. I don't need you to do anything great for me. Mm-hmm. Like actually, you are the great work mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Yeah, and it's a whole paradigm hey, shift. And I'm like, I didn't know that. I was I didn't know what to do with that because <laughs> I'm like, well, what if I if I don't do anything great, then what? What do I? <laughs> mm-hmm. What's the point? Like, what am I doing here? And I didn't know. I didn't have the answer. To your that. Your worth so. is
1: in what you do totally. versus who you are at, at your totally. core.
3: Totally. I didn't. I did not know that. So I spent years chasing, so this was the battle, but in that one part it was chasing, trying to make somebody proud, trying to do something great. And the other part of me was, I knew that, but deep down I knew that that was not. But but I was not, I didn't have access to that part of me. I was, I was, there was, there was, I didn't have the practices of the consciousness or the awareness to be in connection with that part of me, the highest, truest part of me. I was more rooted, my story, my identity was rooted in the shadow self. What I call the shadow self. Paul would call it the flesh. It doesn't matter what, mm-hmm. what language you use, but it's the right. not true essence of who we are. Starks.
0: Yeah. Um, classic crime would call it the beautiful dark side. Mm.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a song. Isn't yeah. that a song called the beautiful dark side? the Or beautiful so. dark side. So. Yeah, I think he's talking yeah. about that.
3: I like that term. I like that
1: term. Yeah, it's almost... I, I think I've mentioned it before. I don't remember if it's in real life or the podcast, everything gets mixed in, but I think it's Walter Brueggemann talks about how, how do trees worship God or what do trees do to be great? They're like perfectly treated. They're exactly what they're created to be. Like, what does a dog do? Like there's no, a dog in a healthy situation is just like total pleasure, total happiness Let's play. I am who I am. Maybe a little shame. Like sometimes if they're pooping and you make eye contact, there's this weird (laughs) weird moment where the dog's like, don't walk. And then as soon as it's done, the dog's like, oh, it's done. Yeah. There's no Mm. more, uh, no more shame. We had a friend that, no, our friends that they had, had a special needs, A son with special needs and uh, recently passed away. Mm. But he was perfectly who he was. Mm. There was no, if he was upset, you would know it. If he was loving and wanted kisses, you would know it. But there was no like, there was no shame from him. Like he needed help with a lot of things. And it's, it's such a beautiful picture of just his whole life was lived in. There's no like, oh my God, I did something. Or what are they thinking about me? Or, or look, there's people staring at us in the, in the uh, supermarket. He didn't give a shit. It was like, I am who I am perfectly. And it's honestly, after he passes like that, I want that. Mm. I wish I had that.
2: He was never chasing anything. It was just no. joyful. He
1: he was like a almost a, a perfect example of how to be human. If mm. But we have so much more on our, uh, so much more we're thinking about that we just, we just let stuff get in the way. Life gets in the way and. Like it's, it's constantly, what are people thinking about me? And in my healthiest moments, I I can call myself on it and check myself, but far too often I'm concerned about what people think or, uh, how I'm presenting myself to the world. And I want a little taste of what he had. So, mm. but I don't know if that, that ties into what you're, I think, totally. I feel like it ties into the trees. The trees worship God by being yeah. exactly by being who they are. Totally. And I think the more people are free, find the freedom, and I want you to maybe talk about how you connect with that side. How do you think people can connect with that side? Because the more that happens, and you let go of the need to please, Mm. I think people can do crazy things uh, just out of being exactly who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree.
3: Yeah, I think I think children, you know, at some level before shame enters the picture, children really exemplify that a lot. So children are, uh, heard someone, say, you know, and I talk a little bit about that, but, um, in the book, but just I had a quote to read from it. <laughs>
1: okay. th- yeah. It, it, the pet drawing, the power of desire. Mm. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I can read it in a minute.
3: Well, the, it's this idea that a child isn't preparing to live. Um, a child is actually living, Yeah. you know, and what they're doing is, is, you know, um, wasn't Mr. Rogers or somebody said that when a child plays, like that's their work, like that's, that's serious business. Like that's what they're doing. They're imagining they're playing. Like that's what they're supposed to do. And really like, we don't outgrow that. Like the idea is that we stay in that because it's where, you know, it gets a little more sophisticated, a little more, you know, we learn as we go, but really what is creativity when you create, when you imagine, when you dream, you know, that's what it is. It's like, you're in the, you're in that stage where, Anything is possible. You're not driven by fear, not by survival. It's just like life's a mystery, and we're here to enjoy it and let it unfold. And we we follow the we follow the the desires that are birthed from within. I mean, kids are doing it all the time. They do it very naturally. So we, um, I, I think there's a lot to like when Jesus says to really taste the essence of the kingdom of God. You have to become like a child. I think that my understanding is that that's really you're going back to this place of just being who you are because it's interesting that you didn't have to no child had to be taught this how to be a child there was mm-hmm. no teaching in this it's just like this is who they yeah. are you know and you had to learn not to be that um you know and uh i think that's there's there's uh so th- the question is like how do you get how do you get back in touch with that and that's a i think that's a process um and there's a there's a lot of things actually but first and foremost is to realize what's driving you away from it. So my mm-hmm. understanding, what's driving you out of childlike, um, is, is any That's sense. That's a good question. Yeah. Like what keeps you from ch- childlike, um, essence. And I think it's any form of, or perception of separation. So as a child, you have no sense of separation from all that is good uh, in ideal sense. I'm speaking ideally because there's a lot of children that are suffering, but when you're born into a family that loves you, accepts you, it provides, like it's there's the children are just free. They're just like, they're not thinking about how's the electricity bill going to get paid next month. They're not thinking about are we going to have enough food. They're not thinking of um, will I be kicked out of the home, but my parents just turn on me if I do I violate a rule and they'll be done with me. Like they're not thinking about this. They mm-hmm. have this total sense of acceptance. Mom and dad are love me. They're with me, and I'm discovering and I'm living. And I really feel like there's no sense of separation in that realm in that sense, ideally. Um, but but when the, the as we grow, we what's being communicated to us is, hey, your worth is dependent upon something different than your being. When you're a baby, it's told about being. You're born. No one's expecting you to do it. They love you. You're a miracle. You're a gift. But along along the way, it changes society's expectations and we. It's communicated is. Okay, your worth is no longer based upon your being; it's based upon your your mm. doing, your performance, what you know, what you do, and that per, that creates a sense of separation, and that takes us out of ourself. Really you becomes
1: believe. you become more aware. You it's like at some point we all eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, oh. and I've I read I was reading a book called Original Blessing, and she's talking about. Uh, one of the ways of interpreting the Genesis narrative is like humanity growing up and as a kid, as a kid, there's no shame. Shame enters the picture after you're, you're self-aware, you're aware of things. And I I find that interesting.
3: Somebody had to suggest, Hey, you could be like God as if you're not already, which communicates the lie that you may not be like God, which creates the whole problem. You may not be like the
1: parent. You may not actually belong to this family. Yeah. That's the lie. You may... You, your your boss might not like you, Scott. You probably, probably doesn't. You're probably going to get fired. Probably. This comes up a lot. Scott has constantly, like, been in fear of being fired, and you just got another promotion? Wait, so, last time I was here, you got a promotion. This is Another one. Wow. Was that long ago? Yeah. He's
2: the insecure promoter.
0: Oh. <laughs> was that long ago? Yeah.
3: Last time I was here, I remember us distinctly talking about that, like... I think that you were worried about your like maybe not not making it in your job, but then you just got promoted. I yeah, and it's interesting. That was a couple years ago. Yeah. It was like
2: it was into twenty eighteen, wow. I think. Yeah, Scott's probably the one of the few people that's like, uh, I got promoted, I'm probably gonna get fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's how I feel. <laughs>
1: I asked yeah. him how he felt like felt about it earlier tonight, and and he's like, ask me in six months. Yeah.
0: I'm kind of like that, though. I'm just kind of like you know, dude.
2: Like, when I talk with you, you're really like excited. I'm in, I I'm I actually have a job that matters.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and it's kind of yeah, my job's kind of important, right? It's super cool. Um, you know, like you know, people's data, you know, being protected. Uh, but it's just kind of.
2: And you're the you know, gatekeeper.
0: Um, in some sense,
2: hmm. yeah. Where are you, the gatekeeper, in other aspects of your life?
0: I don't have any other responsibilities actually.
2: Uh, um,
1: yeah. But of, he's looking for more responsibility, ladies. I am, so if, you know, if any any ladies Scott out there, at brosbiblesbeer dot com. Yeah.
0: If you uh if you're looking for someone to be responsive to. <laughs> okay,
2: uh, stop, that starts all right. All right. Just That's Scott Holbert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Jamal, you weren't married were you married when no, we came on no, last? No. Were you engaged? No. I don't think so. Maybe. Ooh. I don't know if I was. How you did you have
3: a quick engagement? Uh got engaged in last Thanksgiving. So November of twenty eighteen.
1: Okay, then maybe uh, I just read that date of when the episode was. It might have been right after you engaged. Okay. And so you're recently married. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. It's fantastic. Yeah.
3: It's epic. It's going well. It's going well. Yeah. It's going well. Yeah, we had a we had a beautiful little ceremony. I uh, got married in Santa Barbara, nice. which I'm from Ohio. Wow. so uh Santa Barbara is exotic. Yeah. So it was yeah. mm, It's pretty <laughs> pretty nice. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. So we, we had a little ceremony and then we drove up to the uh, uh, Redwood country like up towards Oregon, like right near hmm. the border um, Eureka area and that whole northern California area for a So many hours. trees. Yeah, it was beautiful. Spectacular.
2: I have a trivial connection. I asked my wife to marry me on the beach in Santa Barbara. Seriously, bought the ring in Santa Barbara.
3: Oh, that's fantastic!
2: On a whim, really? Yeah. So it wasn't even planned. I knew it was. I knew it was going to happen. And then I, one of this guy's like, you, "You need to do this now. If it's if, if you got the plan to do it, let's go." Was it a guy at a jewelry store? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, you need You're to buy this ring right now. Yeah, do Indiana it. Jewelry Come store. on. <laughs> and
0: oh, he yeah, she totally,
2: totally seems like she'll say yes. No, yeah. it, was a, it, it was it was a, a friend of mine, and he he said, "What are you waiting for? Come on, let's let's do this. This will be awesome." And next thing I know, we're in his car driving to find a store. Found it, picked a ring out, and then I think the next day I we just took her down to the beach and.
3: That's super cool.
2: Yeah. How long have you been married? 14, 15, Mm -hmm. somewhere in there. Who's counting? What This is the This is our 15th. 15th year.
3: Well, if you had one piece of advice, what would it be to a newlywed guy like myself?
2: Can I answer that later in the show? Sure. (laughs) Totally, Totally. Marinate on that
1: and you can coach the life coach. That's right. Yeah. If if mm. I could
2: if I could just offer a piece of advice to
0: my <laughs> newlyweds, um, don't let her push you
3: around. All right. <laughs> Try not to.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, I do have a piece. So yeah. I, I have learned a hard the hard way. But um, so last so yesterday, um, I came home. I went straight. Well, I came home. I went into the uh, bedroom, and I had some. I just taken, you know, kind of settling in. And my kids came in, and I had gone hiking, and so I had a water pack, and they were messing around with the water pack. It was still water in it, and and uh, I hung out with them in the room for like ten or fifteen minutes, and they were just like doing their own thing. I'm like, I'm gonna leave them, and it was it was late. It was probably past nine. The kids are usually in bed by then. Summer, so a little flexibility, but I went into the other room and living room and turned on the TV and I wanted to... I taped one of the World Cup games watching it and and my wife just... I could tell she was not... She was not happy with me sitting on the couch watching... You just got home. Could really use help with these kids. And I'm like... I'm thinking to myself, the kids are fine. I just hung out with them for a little bit. They're curious. They're screwing around with my water pack. And... She's like, it's just really frustrating that you're whatever. And she just, I'm like, man, she, so I can tell you my natural reaction for years and years was to then tell her, you know, that, well, the kids are fine. And I did this, blah, blah, blah. And I used to do that all the time. And then I would just get annihilated. My heart would just get annihilated. And I, I got up. And, I, and I'm like, I, I realize you're frustrated. Hmm. And describing my wife's feelings to her is what she needs yeah. in that moment. And I'm like, I, I'm going to, you know, good. my actions, I'm just going to go and check on the kids again yeah. and put myself in a different place. I think we all want to be heard
3: We <laughs> feel like yeah. we're being heard, you know, even if we're not. If it's, We're not totally on the same page, but it's
2: like, do you hear what I'm saying? But it's a huge pitfall that men, especially, yeah. can fall into. Totally. And uh, I was thankful. And I kind of just waited, like, what was my response the mm-hmm. correct response? I want my wife to know that she's been heard. Yeah. And I'm not trying to, I'm, I can't, I, like, uh, not reason out, but... I, I like tot- justify totally that's the word like I'm justifying my dad like that's not what my wife needs Yeah. guys we justify things to yep. each other
1: it, does, and it doesn't really yeah. help it doesn't help
2: <laughs> no
3: you can win the argument but you don't
1: uh, let me uh, explain to you why the way you're feeling is misguided and uh, <laughs> why I'm justified in sitting on the couch with my hand down my pants watching the world cup <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it usually uh, doesn't work no, no. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's good. That's Jamal, really good. you you have a uh uh daughter in high school, out of high school from a previous marriage? Yeah.
3: I have a, actually way out of high school. She's 26. Oh, she's
2: 26. And Why has, did
1: she I thought she was 18 or something. I don't no. know where I got that number.
2: 26 and has 3
1: kids. So I'm a grandfather. Oh my Damn goodness. It. You might be... You look
2: like you're 35.
1: Oh, thank you. I was going to say, that. he might be the grandfather <laughs> with the tightest skin in the world. Like that's <laughs> The skin fits tightly to his face. Oh, that's funny.
2: <laughs> Those tattoos on your arm are older than you are. There's no way you're... <laughs> le- <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, life is... So you've learned some lessons then, I mean, take c- coming into this... New chapter in your life with new marriage, yeah, uh, there's probably a lot of lessons you bring yeah. into that, hopefully oh. <laughs> lots, lots, lots
3: <laughs> but it's good, this is good because it's a new it, you know um grace, you know, second chances, um new beginnings it's good,
1: it's good, it's never over, some would say low expectations, <laughs> my wife and I say that sometimes, and it can sound brutal, but honestly, like low expectations for each other and trying like constantly being in the mode of being active I think goes a long way yep
2: my husband will get his underwear close to the laundry (laughs) yeah (laughs) just some low expectations
1: (laughs) he put the sports bra in the drying in the dryer with the spaghetti straps that get (laughs) tangled up and tied up (laughs) and then break (laughs) not uh supposed to happen you know but low expectations. Hey, it's okay. He tried. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can we get back? I don't know if we um, we were done with the childlike, childlike faith or childness or just being blissfully unaware and, mm. and then learning to, <laughs> learning to shame yourself because we were in the middle of that when mm. we kind of got distracted, uh, which is fine. But I don't know if you had anything else, if we left anything behind there that we should pick up
3: you know I, I from conversations i've had from people who've read the book that that a lot of folks to have resonated with that chapter about childlike living mm-hmm. especially creative folks the people who are you know singer songwriters or writers like that cuz that's the right brain you know it's the creative side and i feel like children are really developed in that or they're 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 engaging that it's important that they engage that mm-hmm. you know for their own development but i don't think we outgrow it you know, it's uh, it's and then what gets developed over time, I think, is the left left side of our our brain. You know, which is more the logical, rational. Um, you know, that grows. You know, your ability to reason and um, and that's important. But it's I feel like as a culture, as a society, we are way overbalanced um, or way over the left side. That you know, we're trained that to be a responsible adult, you really need to be. And they describe all the qualities of the left brain but um but we need both so we have both <laughs> so they need to be in flow with each other hmm. you know I think it's huge
1: yeah like uh, telling your parents you're not going to go to college because you want to chase some dream that's <laughs> that's generally frowned upon yeah <laughs> in america yeah what if you
3: told your parents saying hey you know i know you're worried about me making a living i know you want me to get good grades in school so that i can get college and you know get a good job but i'm actually going to pursue the inner dream in my heart because god's going to take care of everything <laughs> like because <laughs> everything i need is going to come to me if i pursue my passion like how that sounds like the most irresponsible
1: i mean it sounds i'm i'm on board almost all the way with all this stuff and that still sounds nuts to me it's yeah. like no don't do that i would never tell that to my kids i would never <laughs> But well, G-
3: Jesus said that obviously I I'm know. quoting Matthew six. Yeah, you know, this is literally what he said. Like, hey, look at the world. But isn't life more than food and clothing?
0: But he, yeah, he wasn't. I, I don't think he was saying it in the context of follow your dreams, whatever they are. Like, it's not like, you know, being a rock star or I'm gonna go try to be on Broadway or, you know, it. It, it was. I think it was in a particular context of. Seeking that's the kingdom of God first. What is the kingdom? Well, it depends on what aspect you're talking about. Right. It's not. It's not doing your whatever desire you are. I don't think that's what the kingdom is. Mm. Um, there, there's. It's well. I think the main part of it is doing the will of God, mm. and the will of God is. Uh, I think first and foremost would be worshiping Him. Um, really, way. you believe that? The like the will of God to, is to worship God is to, as primary, um, what is okay? So, yeah, what does so that mean? Love, the, yeah, love God slash worship God. To love is to worship. Uh, well, they 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 are they're not necessarily the same, but trying to separate them might be a little difficult. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah.
1: So, it, it, um, love God and love your neighbor. Summing up the law as that, mm-hmm. is is that different than the worship thing?
0: Um, or are, inher- we ta- or yeah, are we talking inher- about the same thing? Yeah, in- inherently yes, but but there is a form of that that doing that loving others um,
3: can be a form of worship. Yeah, totally.
0: See, yeah. You know,
3: I really appreciate your, this, the distinction you're making about it's not just any like. Seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, and then everything you need to be provided for you. So it's, I love, uh, it's not just, and I would agree that it's not just, hey, you know, the kingdom is me, like, you know, I love, I, I've like, I'm building race cars, you know what I mean? Like, and I, right. <laughs> that's my passion. <laughs> I, I love it. Right. Now, right. now that doesn't mean it's not, I'm just saying, I get what you're saying with that. And I would, the distinction is, so again, the, the term kingdom of God, I feel like has a lot of baggage depending on your religious background. Right. I was just using it totally. loosely. Totally. Like totally. I'm not, I not—I don't have a specific, specific definition, definition that I'm trying to My, yeah. my understanding okay. of the kingdom is, and I love this idea of like to worship God is to love people. Because what mm-hmm. I get when I see the teachings of Jesus is that really the emphasis of, of Jesus teachings seem to be root, really rooted in service and love for other yeah. people. And so – and if, that, if that's where god lives is in people then obviously it's hard to just it's hard it's hard to draw the distinction between loving god and loving people because that's where that's where god is
0: well yeah and, and uh, jesus jesus said that um you know how can you say that you um love god but you can't even who you can't see but if you're not loving the person that you can see then right I'm, i I think i said it backwards there but you know that's that. That's, what, that's the the idea is that how can you right if, if you're not loving the person that you can't see, how can you say that you love God who you can't see? Right.
3: Because are is it the people made in the image? Right. The likeness of God. Well so. you know, some of that's tangible. Like something tangible. Tangible. You know, for sure. Yeah. You know, I had this. There was this doctor, and this story always blows me away because, this, and I include it in the book. There was this doctor who, he started telling this to his kids. They were like four and five years old. He said, you know, some of are going to school. They were like, you're going to get this question asked a lot of you. And the question is, what are you going to be when you grow up? Yeah. What, are you, what are you going to do? And I'm still asking myself that. <laughs> and he and he said, I, I want you to know that that's a good question. But I, also, but I want you to understand that I want you to know something. When you grow up, I never want you to worry about what you'll do for money. Mm-hmm. Because if you ever need anything, he said, I will take care of you. Your daddy will provide everything you need. If you don't have enough to take care of yourself, I will be there. I will write you the check. I will take, I'll give you the money. I don't want you to worry about survival. But he said, I want you to ask this question. What will you do that will change the world? What will you do that will make the world a better place? He goes, that's all you need to worry about. And it, it's okay that you don't know the answer for that. It's a, it's a journey. Yeah. It's a process. And I, to me, when I heard that, now this, I was like, that is exactly what Jesus said. Matthew 6, don't worry about, hey, guys, look at the whole world. Everyone's stressed out, worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. For you, don't worry about that. You seek first the kingdom. And what I would interpret that as service to humanity, service to humans. How do you serve and better the planet, people, love people? How do you best love and serve others? You worry about that. And by the way, that's going to come from within you because Jesus said, where is the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is within you. So you worry about that. Everything else will take care of itself. And that's literally what this doctor was telling his kids. And they grew up and he said, Yeah, and 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 sure enough, like they're very successful in that quote unquote. Like they're they're fine. They don't want for anything. But they're they are very fulfilled and are loving the work they're doing because they feel like it's making a difference. Yeah, in the world.
0: that's cool. I think another aspect of, of of worship um and loving God is obedience. Um and that's to uh Really, all really all of God's revelation, um, in 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 so far as it as it would still apply in in uh, you know the new covenant. Um, but one of the things God, that
1: sounds so stressful, Scott. Keep going.
0: Uh, <laughs> but you know, you mentioned that you know loving loving God and loving neighbor as the sum of the law. Um,
1: I think an important point. The sum of the law, not sum of the law. The su- yeah, I think that's what I said. Okay. just want to make sure. I'm just getting... I'm just clarifying goodness. Goodness. But,
0: but I would, I love it. it. But I would also say that it is some of the law <laughs> as well. Because, um, you know, like just just even with the Ten Commandments, and I because I know that's your line of thinking mm-hmm. there, Zach. But even with the Ten Commandments, it's like, okay, well, how do you... how do you? The first commandment is love the Lord your God. The second commandment is... Um, was it to have no other gods before me. So that's that's the that's the primary pr- primary focus, seeking the kingdom. Um and then it's how do you love your neighbor?
1: Yeah, the rest of the 10 commandments, you could you could throw under the heading of love your neighbor, basically. Yeah,
0: so so it's 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 not just as simple as so like like the words love and freedom uh things like that, they they have no meaning. Without context, love means nothing. Like what? Just love, it, love Just go right.
2: Love, and you, you peace. You want clarification? Just go on have, that a lot. Well, when, I, the, I, the world. The
0: world needs clarification because, like peace, describe peace. Well, for for uh, some for some cultures, some countries, like the Roman Empire, peace means Let's tear de- shit up and bring yeah. peace to the world, yeah, destroying your enemies, right? <laughs> Having no more enemies. So, so the, these words can end up meaning essentially nothing without a particular context to to actually do something with them um so loving your neighbor well how do you do that well in the ten commandments you've got well don't steal don't kill don't bear false witness uh don't uh don't lust after your after your neighbor's uh donkey or wife or Tesla uh, basically Tesla. your neighbor's property. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> like like his wife.
1: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what it is. <laughs> now Scott, you start it's with the word obedience.
0: So could
2: you get no, back to that is that okay. is No, that's all okay. it's all, all it's right. all
0: part of it because even the word obedience doesn't have a meaning without context. But that, so it's all it's all part of that um is how do you love your neighbor? Well, that's that's the starting point is the 10 commandments. If you're not doing those things, you're probably not loving your neighbor, like at least because if you're gonna steal from them, but then say, "Oh, I'll, I'll steal from you, but I'll give you some bread to eat," well, is that love? I'm I'm not sure. Or, uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie to you, but hey, uh, you know, I'll try to you know get with your wife or something. Well, that's not really that's not really loving. Yeah, I don't think you'll right? find an argument here. Right? Uh, so yeah, just uh, and I don't know why I bring that up, but just just the, the the this idea of what is love, and then you have Paul. Saying love is patient, love is kind, all that stuff. So those, those are that's how
1: we do love. Um, Actually, do you think you know. that's? I think that's Paul in. Um, isn't that is in thats that in one or two Corinthians? I would say one Corinthians. Um, the he's famous fun of Trump thing. Thanks, Tom. The, the way, <laughs> or yeah. British Ch- people. Trump Ch- Ch- always gets a bad. I habit. John. What, yeah, John. British people do it. <laughs> yeah, it's good clarification. <laughs>
2: it's good clarification of what love is, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, love is patient. Love is kind. And I believe he's using. What was it
2: before Paul said it? Though was it still those things? I'm well, just curious.
1: Right. Right. So that that's the thing. Is yeah, it, 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 <laughs> I, I would say that, it, and I think he's using the highest form, agape, right? Yeah. I believe he's using that with that. And so I think, and... But what makes it... So here's the thing about love is that I don't
3: think... I think when Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13, he's speaking to people, who are going, yeah, totally. Why? Because they already knew it. Because where right. did we know it from in here? So it's not something... I mean, it's nice to have the definitions on the paper, but it's right. I don't think it that determines what love is.
0: Right. That that doesn't... But for... but yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm saying, is that people throw these words around. And I'm not saying anyone here has, has done that. Sure. Uh, today, uh, (laughs) uh, but just, just that, um, we, we think we might know what something is, but you know, with, without, I would say the heart, the the
3: heart seems to know, like for example, peace totally, um, is something that I think we've all experienced even from an early age, but really didn't know exactly, but it's like, it's state of the heart. It's, um, actually i I, I do this meditation that, that talks about the, the there's a the heart to, to actually reconnect with it and it's a, really a technique you can do it you can reconnect pretty quickly but the heart has it's four. It's called states. a uh, defibrillator. <laughs> well, this is kind of like a a, a spiritual a defibrillator some spir- um, it, 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 it kind of reconnects but the state of the heart is is peace, uh, harmony, laughter, and love. And if you think about children know all of these things pretty quickly, peace. Harmony, laughter, and love. And it's just, these are states of being. And you can connect with it at any point. And these are things I think our heart is, our heart knows these states. Um, you know, and it's um, when we're, I, one of the things I, I think, and I try to communicate this in the book, that there's a huge difference between fight or flight and, uh, so it's an operating system. So if you think of human beings as, op, you know, we all have an operating system, like a computer has an operating system human beings have been operating with this operating system of fight or flight for i feel like most of our most of our history about 6000 years
1: <laughs> or or 60
3: yeah however you want to however you want to put that but it's this sense of Thousand. fight or flight but in in the fight or flight you have to be you have to be governed so fight or it, people are like and it's high stress you know so it's either you're engaged in warfare or you're retreating you know and there's this positioning. And you look at, and so like, I do believe that a lot of the old commandments kind of are trying to restrain the, this primary system of fight or flight, if you want to put it that way. But when you get into what I think Jesus does is when he introduces the, this new, I love it that he calls it a new commandment. So it's like, wow, it's new. It's not actually, it's different. It's not the, it's not just another one of the old, like, it's not like, Hey, there's 11. (laughs) Or 12, it's like, oh, it's just it's kind of new because it's completely different. Originally,
1: there was 15, and then Moses dropped one of the tablets, and then we went, ended up with 10. Well, he 10. broke them intentionally, yeah. <laughs> right.
3: But, but I love the fact that it's actually a new commandment because I believe it appeals to a new operating system, so to speak. So, for example, you this idea of, of love, the love ethic, service ethic, loving your you can't love your neighbor. You can't actually do good to those who are hurting you in the mindset of fight or flight, like it's just mm-hmm. impossible. So you almost have to drop into a new operating system. So I've, I look at it as, so the, so if you look at it just physiology in a human context, the the brain you have fight or flight in one part of your brain, which is constantly evaluating threats, <laughs> constantly trying to survive. It's survival basically. Mm. But then there's another operating system called the parasympathetic heart uh, operating system. It's actually physiologically been determined that there's your heart is the only organ of your body that actually creates it. It can, it it can exist and operate independent of the brain. It has its own electromagnetic field and there are nerve, there are actually neurons associated right around the heart. And so you can actually, it's like its
1: own brain. It's crazy,
3: but there's a higher, I believe a higher operating system that human beings were designed to operate from. And this is what I believe if you want to look at the new covenant, but all the, all the things that Jesus talk about appeal to the second, Operating system, not the first, and it's it's fun. It's unbelievable. Just like this is a, a complete. So because it's a love ethic, and that comes from a place of peace and rest. It's not fight or flight. It's not survival. Because otherwise, how do we do the work? Um, you can't because it's literally like it's all it's all about survival and out. You know, I need to get mine and that yeah. kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and, and, and these new um, the, the even the new laws they they don't do away with the old. Um, so like Jesus isn't saying, Hey, it's okay to physically kill somebody. Just don't think about killing them. Right. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, they're still in play and, and so I agree. I, I, I think I'm with you on that, that, uh, you know, that, yeah. And a, a mindset of, um, you know, not not having to seek vengeance for people that have wronged you. You're gonna, you're gonna, um, uh, love someone rather than, uh, fight them and that you know pour that pours coals on their head I think is, yeah. is what it said um, I think f- I think for you personally yeah okay um, I think there are situations and I think we talked about this a couple times on the podcast but there are there are situations where fight or flight um, becomes the loving thing more loving than a parasympathetic kind of uh, hands offish peaceful uh Way Because if someone is trying to harm your family, the loving thing isn't okay
2: oh, I was talking I was listening to a guy right. this morning who was talking about his children and how it's so hard they're so cute and they've done something and I need to discipline them that like you want to like laugh with them and you're like you gotta go to your room for that like Wait, I'm not loving you thing. I'm not yeah. like I could be a passive you could be a passive parent or boss or whatever, but that's not gonna get it's not going to get, it's not going to, um, bleed in, uh, obedience. It's probably, yeah. it's going to produce jerks. Right. We well, you
3: know here's, it's interesting, or possibly an interesting yeah. story. So I have a friend, he's a life coach and he, he tells, he told me the story of about a lady he was working with and he was doing this work about, you know, helping her transition from fight or flight to the parasympathetic system. And anyway, so she ends up moving to a different city. She's, in, she's, uh, She's actually going to the store late at night. She's, I think, it's like Walmart or whatever. And she gets out of her car and is walking in. It's like nine, ten o'clock at night, and some guy That's pulls, what I'm talking pulls about out a knife head. and Talk comes up behind her, grabs her, and is, is trying to mug her, trying to actually, uh, you know, yeah, he doesn't. I mean, she doesn't even know, like, um, so he, you know, he, he's, he's demanding, like, you know, like stop, like come with me, like go down this, down this. Aisle. And so she obviously, obviously, was immediately terrified, felt fear. And then she remembered, Okay, so there's a technique that he teaches on this and this is it's how to like what he called drop into your heart. So she did it. She did that technique real quick. Boom. And immediately she hugged him She just grabbed him like and embraced him really tight. And he drops the knife. And then he takes off running like just crazy. And then like, so people, so then she was like a little bit shaken up. And then, so she like, she doesn't go in the store. She leaves next day. She gets a knock on, (laughs) a knock on the door and the police and police said, Hey, were you in this Walmart parking lot last night? She said, yeah, I was. And he's like, were you, were you attacked? She said, I was. And he's like, well, here's your driver's license. You dropped your driver's license, driver's license in the commotion or whatever. And, uh, there was a a bystander. that saw it, picked it up and reported it. Um, and, uh, he said, I have to ask you, did you hug this man? <laughs> and she said, I, I did. And he said, well, why would, can I ask why you did that? And of course she explained it. She's like, you know, I obviously was scared, but I had this training where I like drop into my heart and ask my heart, what should I do right now? Like, it's not actually even a thought. It's like a, you, it's a reaction. But she said, that's what I knew I, I needed to do in that moment. He goes, well, this is really interesting. He said, because that man turned himself in today. Wow. And has said that he wants to find you. Because his life changed that moment because he said, whatever you did to him, when you hugged him, it healed something within. I mean, he didn't care. He doesn't mind going to jail, um, but he just needs to hear from you, like what you did to him because he's never been hugged like that ever. So I say I share that story because it is a it's a fantastical, crazy story. But it's like, wait, there was power that got transmitted. So it wasn't like passive, like she didn't do anything. But. She did respond but she responded with a different energy.
1: Right. And I feel like so that reminds me of like Jesus. She like, didn't re, she didn't repay evil with evil. Right. And and that's what's super challenging and can even lead to as Scott's bringing up like a situa- certain situations like situations like that it, it could have gone any number of ways that were all bad besides the totally. way that took place.
3: Totally. Now this man, he's got a whole new
1: trajectory in life. Right. Yeah, which is crazy. It's because you think fall- it's like a ten second hug? Yeah, <laughs> it completely reoriented him. And I, I think that's the narrow. I mean, the narrow road, the wide road leads to destruction. There's a lot of context there that we can get into, but I don't. I don't think that's talking about um, he- heaven or hell. Right. I think she took the narrow road right there yeah. that leads to life. Yeah. And even if it
2: led to her death, that was Christ-like love. Totally. And. and and you mentioned the defibrillator earlier. Like she literally, like you talk about the uh, what did you call it?
3: the parasympathetic yes. nervous system?
2: Yeah, like it's a different energy. Like yeah. that was a defibrillator to like to him totally. to his heart. It just shifted everything. You responded in a way that the world does not respond, and that's just a shock to people's yeah. system when they receive it.
1: Also, there's no thinking yeah. there. Like no, thinking. you don't have time to think.
2: So it's not the mind. Fight or
1: flight isn't something that you. It, it's actually the absence of the rational brain. It like bypasses that, and you have you either fight or flight, or in some of our cases, we'd probably curl up in a ball or something. <laughs> but yeah. there's no which is, thinking which is there. Flight. Somehow she right. did the heart work enough yeah. that that was her instinct, which is remarkable. Yeah, there's no thinking. Her her instinct is love. Yeah, like, that's insane. And, and I like
3: to think that Jesus when he's interacting with human beings, hostile people, loving people, doesn't matter what it is, he's engaged here. He's dropped into his heart. He's there, you know, and then he's, you know, he would, Jesus would talk about, I don't do anything on my own accord, but that what I hear, that's what I do. Whatever the father says, I say, whatever the father does, I do. So it's that sense of following, but where, where do you get that sense spiritually speaking? I do believe you get it from here from your heart space. This is where you're going to be aware of that communion. He's, he's clutching his chest, not like in pain, but in in love. it's, It's that sense, you know, like it's a sense of, it's more like, it's not really rational in the left brain kind of way, but it's like the sense of this is what's appropriate in this moment, you know? Um, and you just, you just move into it.
2: It's a flow. Okay. You're describing something that I've never been able. I mean, as I listen to you, I've never been able to describe when people have asked like in my becoming a believer, like an instant, like it's like some battery just turned on and I was pulling from some other source yeah. than I had my entire life. Yeah. I really couldn't, I've never been able to put that into words, but as I listen to you, I'm like, yes, it's something like that. I just, I've never been able to, I mean you tell somebody, you know, that's not a believer, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean even believers are like, uh okay. Well, well, I th- I think I've lived most of my life um
3: it, not in that space. Even as a quote-unquote believer. I I think what I'm learning is to act I believe we have we possess this power. We possess this life, this essence. I'm um, with you. And, and, and it's, it's really a discovery. The process is discovering how do you tap into this and live by it? And that's a process. Um, but that's what the, that's the beautiful part of this journey is like, wow, I. So I, the way, I, you know, um, so the book, I really wrote this book, living for a living to to calm people down. And so when I, and I, so what, I what I mean by that is like when we're when we're in the fight or flight. We have we lose access. I believe we're cut off from the heart in that sense because we're literally not in that space. Because we're f- and I really I I'm, I'm blown away. I'm amazed that Jesus began his ministry. So when Jesus began his public ministry, he he started by I believe by trying to calm people down. Matthew six is kind of the beginning. Getting them drunk. <laughs> well, like well, yeah, that is <laughs> yeah, inter- watered well, wine. That's an interesting. Yeah. I, well, that's that's they were already it, drunk. Right, but the, it's it's this idea of like. Wait, no, they weren't. Speaking to the, to, to the, to the anxiety, the human anxiety. So Matthew six, so right after John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus goes on, he starts proclaiming the quote unquote, the good news of the kingdom. And I always used to ask this question, like, what news was that? Because that was before Jesus died and resurrected. Jesus so it couldn't have been preached, that message.
1: Jesus was <laughs> preaching the gospel before he died on the cross. <laughs> I love that. Idea. So it's like,
3: wait, there was good news before that? Right. What was that news? And I believe this is the news. So he starts by saying, hey, guys, I know you're all worried about literally what consumes us daily life, like outside of Sunday church services. <laughs> like what yeah. when we're, what, are, what consumes our Especially life? Especially
1: under Ro- the oppressive Roman Empire where a lot of poor people and you're under the thumb of the empire.
3: Yeah. We got to eke out a living. We got to eke out. So he's speaking, saying, listen, I know that that's what you're consumed with, but that isn't life about more than that. Like, don't worry about it. So he's calming down. He's saying, look, it's going to be okay. God knows, your father knows everything that you need. Look at the sparrows, not one falls, not one, you know, like look at the lilies, like how they're clothed. Not everything's fine. You don't have to be worried about that. But what I want you to worry about is something that is so completely like, I want you to go in, the kingdom is within you. And I want you to seek that place because that's where you're going to, you're going to come into this power. It's internal. So that's what the book is about. Do you think about-
0: that power is like, what were we just talking about? Um, like, cause the God, like the gospel it, uh, he almost asked a question before does it declaring something. The 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 gospel doesn't. It, it's not that Jesus' death and resurrection fundamentally changes the gospel. The gospel was from the beginning. It's that there's forgiveness from God, uh, and that there are that it there's a, a Let's call it a process. There's a way to obtain that forgiveness. So that, I mean that that doesn't fundamentally change. Um, it's just that now in Jesus that it's there's a fulfillment of the requirement. Um, so I I mean I, I don't know if you're saying that that the repentance like you, you mentioned in the book that, that John came preaching repentance. Um, uh, you didn't mention the the, the verse, but. Uh, when John came, he said, "Part of the gospel was, you know, uh, to rescue us from the wrath of God." Um, Jesus, Jesus had that same message. So I, I, I'm not sure if you're if you're saying that it's that that's not the gospel, but the gospel is something else. Other yeah, just I think a it's heart something- a heart framework because I think you call repentance just changing your mind, mm-hmm. but the gospel is not just changing your mind. It's not just change, just changing your mind about how to live in this life. The gospel is actually repentance and reconciliation with God. Hmm. Right. Well, um, I would put
1: it differently.
0: Oh, you do. That's why I'm, here that's we why go, bring, <laughs> baby. That's, why I'm, that's yeah. why I'm bringing it can
3: up. Cause I, I, think
0: can I just, just want just... to make
1: a prediction. <laughs> I'm on Jamal's team on this one. <laughs> no, I, I do think <laughs> that, I'm the captain.
3: <laughs> I, I, my understanding, again, I appreciate, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I totally get it. Um, I think – my understanding is this, is this that repentance um, – well, the word, metanoia, the Greek word, it means to change your mind. So it's a change of mindset. But it, I, I don't think it's limited to that, obviously. There are a lot of Greek so,
0: words like justification,
3: sanctification, all those words. Yeah. They just they, – they have – But to change yeah. your mind, it's like to change your thinking on certain – so I'm always curious about not just, okay, what, quote, unquote, people call sin, stealing – Lusting, coveting, whatever, whatever you want to put it, yeah, we can say okay, those are unhealthy behaviors. We call those sin. But I, I actually think there's a root that God is after healing the root of that, what leads to that. Yeah. So, for example, um, what would cause somebody to like steal? Uh, so you you can tell somebody, don't steal, which is what the Old Commandment does. And all you're really left with is suppression at that point, because maybe you want to steal.
0: Well, yeah, that's what Jesus we just we talked about before right. is is changing the way you th- yeah. think, so you're not even thinking about right. Stealing. So, but
3: what yeah. will actually enable that? I believe is when we get to the root of it. So even there's a scripture. It's like really a lot of. A lot of folks are just, it just seems mysterious, but it says he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf on the cross, which is like, wow. So Jesus became sin. What does that even mean? Like, did he do all these things? Did he commit all these specific sins? No, but he became the essence of it. And what is the essence of it? And I will go back to this. All of it comes back down to perceptions of separation. I love the fact that the gut, like literally one of the names of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not God may be with us or could be with us or good with some people, God is with us and no preconditions. So the entrance of Jesus into the world is a declaration of that because that is correcting the lie that humans have bought into is that somehow we're separate, but we're Sep- not. When you say separate, you said that a few times. What, what do you mean by that? Separate, like an identity that is distinct from God. What? Okay, okay that, that, that makes it even worse. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Well, I think I, I think like our identity is the same as God. I, I know, I'm sure that's not what you mean. Image and likeness. Okay, mm-hmm. so we we are the exact image and likeness of the divine. Okay. But what what does what is, that mean? Yeah, what does it mean? What what is separate? Everything. Mean, what is? Well, I I would say that any perception of self that's, that separates you from the source is actually part of the problem. It, it is that is what, the sin. But what do you what do you mean to be separate from the source? Uh, to be, to be cut off, but, but, but like in, in ha- to be not emanating from, so for example, I used to work in a computer lab when I was in college and in this computer lab, we had these computers, these, these, these computer stations and, um, we would, and of course they were connected to a mainframe. And so they would always talk about, <gasps> that was a long time ago. I know it was a long, it was, it was, yeah. Uh, so early two thousands, but they would, it was connected to a mainframe. And at the end of every semester, we would have to, quote, unquote, ghost the
1: machine. So we would ghost them. And then. We- so in case this is uh, a weird keep, keep going, guys. But we had a technical situation.
0: Yeah. That so was- the, the images and I mean, that that's technology that's still used today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you, you use images for, right. for remote desktop and not remote desktop. But uh, what. um where people don't have a full-blown laptop. They just log into the system. The system.
3: So when you're looking at the computer, you're actually looking at an image of the mainframe that's coming through the actual terminal. And I love that because I honestly think that that's the the idea of humanity, is that when you see a person, you're actually seeing the source, Mm -hmm. which is why I think Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Or when he said, I'm the light of the world, we understand God to be light, but he would say, I'm the light of the world. But here's what, it's tricky. G- Jesus then turned around to his disciples and goes, but you're the light of the world.
0: And and that's what they would end up
3: doing. No, he These just people. said, you are. Well, but, but no yeah. one takes a light and hides it under a bed. And right. then that's the question. is like, whoa, who's being, what's the light that's being hidden? It wasn't Jesus' light. It was humanity's light. Because hu- human beings, when they don't know their identity, tend to live
1: in a way that would communicate separation. I think, so that's where, are you you talking about, so for me, a super important verse for me is when Paul tells the Colossians that once because of your evil behavior, you were enemies of God in your mind, in your mind. And it's an interesting distinction. He goes on to almost contradict it. I don't think there's a contradiction. I think maybe there's an English translation thing when he talks about, then you're presented holy and blameless through Christ's death. I mean, you can interpret that in different ways, but the, the key in your mind is something I hadn't really thought about until recently. And is that what you're talking about? Like, this is the separation is one of like, it's our separation, whether we know it or not, it's something we're doing.
3: Yeah. And I think, I think the idea is I have a friend always says when, you know, we are the ones that need to change our mind, repent about God. God never has to change God's mind about us. Because God's always have the correct understanding of who we are from the beginning. It's like, yeah, I know who you are. But you didn't know who I was, so mm-hmm. your mind needed to change so we come in line with that.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I don't think and that— without,
3: And
2: without that, that's the separation.
3: The perception of separation. Right, okay. I don't actually think there's ever a separation. Right. That's what would be heretical. That,
0: that's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking what you mean by separation. It's perception. But no, but like what, what does separation mean? Like like, separ- like As, who, a loss
3: of identity. Who's separate from who? Or or it, it, yeah, would, like what? it would be a sense of a lo- like for example, if my daughter I have a daughter. So my daughter no, If if my okay. daughter said, Yeah, I don't have parents, I don't have But who's got like is God in this equation? Of course. So, so the then like who separate so when you say separation, who, like who's separate from who? Like what do you Well, I would say human beings feel separate from their source, their creator, God not but, even realizing or you're, if you're connected. But also separate from their self.
1: Oh, and there's probably a, a version of this, if you're agnostic or atheistic, there's language to yep. describe this concept. If the, the lack of belonging or you don't belong... Totally. Um, I, I think you can frame this in a way that would apply to them as so well.
3: So a non-Christian would say, I felt disconnected from my truest self. So a lot of people will talk about being reconnected with their highest essence, their truest self, their... Transcendent, we're a place where they feel totally at home internally. And I would say, okay, this is semantics at this point, but it's that place is where the divine resides. Like that's the place where you're going to get connected with the truth of who you are, which is you, there isn't one human being that is walking this earth that isn't directly connected to the source or else they wouldn't exist.
0: Well, okay. So in, in that sense, Sure, we all live and move and have our being. Yeah. Uh, but we're not all children of God in, in the in the ultimate sense. Um that it's it's in Christ, it's through faith in Jesus that we become children of God. I think that, I would say that's it's clear it's, that's clear in the, in my, the text. mind is I
3: would my understanding of that is it's people who understand who they are that can then walk as children um of God. But Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I don't. I actually. So the idea is: Are there any orphans in existence? And I would say no. Well,
0: no. They're either children of the devil or children
3: of, the, of God. I actually don't think the devil procreates, but I get the idea. Well, God doesn't procreate either. I mean, if well, I I'd say it like more that, than the I devil mean. did. But I actually think the author of life is only. There's a. The source can only author life. So the concept of another being that well, can Jesus said, life. "You are of your father." The devil. The devil. but I don't think he's talking. I don't think that. I think you have to understand that in the context.
0: He's under the I mean, under their control, not that Satan. I, right. I mean, I don't think he's saying you that. Don't, you don't there, think there that. Is, I think that Satan begot, in some sense. Right. No. It's it's what what is under what you're under the control right. of. You can't serve two right. masters.
3: You either serve God, or you serve you serve so what money
0: or yourself. Or there,
3: there's something else. And I can. Right. There's a part of me. There's been a shadow part of my life. That is the creation of accusation. So, I, there, my, there's like, so like the
0: devil doesn't exist or?
3: Well, the term, the term
0: Satan means accuser. That's why, that's what, yeah, that's why I asked. Yeah, yeah. So,
3: so there's a part of my persona that has, when we call the shadow self, the dark self, that is the self that is, gives, is, has been risen through a lie through an accusation so that that gives rise to what we call I would some people may say that's Adam that's the that's the that's the false self that's the self that has to be crucified whatever you want to call that but there's a self that's rooted in perceptions of separation and that's the ultimate lie
0: ah, no no those, the lies that you could be <laughs> like the lies that you could be like God and separation comes from trying to do that or doing yeah, something that because we don't need to be like that.
3: God we are like God
0: well in 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 a in a sense but a very limited sense um but but that was that was the separation that that god kicked them out of the garden because of that it's it, it wasn't inconsequential them them sinning them being disobedient yeah well, it was not inconsequential uh, uh to to just say the, the separation is is a fundamental to the gospel without without separation we we don't need Jesus. I mean, yeah, you, you're right. Right. you realize that, that, that true Jesus sen- Jesus sacrifice
1: is meaningless without separation. I agree with you in a sense, but I would I would flip it. I think I think the default position of humanity is generally shame and and that separation. However, however it looks for other people, uh, but. I think many people have said it I remember Brian Zahn saying it so I'm going to quote him but and you said something similar earlier Jamal is that on the cross Jesus isn't changing God's mind he's God is changing our minds about who he is
0: so the biggest if that's if that's the case the person most responsible for propagating the lie of separation is God maybe maybe because he gave us Jesus as the only way to be reconciled with God so God is responsible Jesus is responsible then for propagating that lie I don't see that Jesus he it, he, 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 ful- he ful- he's fulfilling our desires apparently if that's the case that's a propagation of that lie so so I, right now for follow. me for right, right now for me that doesn't make sense well because if the lie is separation mm-hmm. God sends Jesus as the ultimate act of love so that we can be reconciled to God through Jesus.
1: In if, our minds, it would change I, I, I our know, minds. I know, I yeah. know in our minds. Okay.
0: But if that's not necessary, then God is the one that is, is propagating
1: that lie. You no, know, it is necessary because we we don't do that. We have a tendency to... We our minds needed to be changed. It was necessary, and also it was inevitable in that it's what humanity does. Yeah, there's
3: something also about um, atone in the sense of atonement. And again, I don't I don't follow the classic idea of atonement. uh, But I would say this: like, so I had a really in my own in my own journey, (laughs) I had a um, real dark season, like I alluded to, and I felt all alone. I felt rejected and separate from. My family and people, I mean, everybody, I felt completely alone. And there was a moment, it was like a moment, it was like an epiphany. And I was complaining. I think I was just in the, I was like, God, why you're not here. You've forsaken me. Everybody else has forsaken me. It was how I felt. I literally felt forsaken by God, by people. And in that moment, I had this epiphany. It was like a flash. And there were like four or five people that came to mind. It was like a flash. I had a vision of them. And I was, I remember thinking about that, and these were all people that were actually with me that were like praying with me, supporting me, uh, just like, Hey, we love you. We're here with you. And in that moment I, I, I realized and they felt they actually, the pain I was feeling, they felt themselves. It was almost like, and I marveled at the fact that they could suffer in the same way that I was suffering as if it was happening to them. And in that moment I had this realization, actually, I'm not alone because they're with me in this. And that lie was like, it was destroyed. It was obliterated from that moment on. And I feel like that was a, that was a, a, a metaphor of what Jesus was doing on behalf of humanity, because what was the lie that humans were afflicted with? I'm rejected. I'm forsaken. God is ashamed of me. Go back to the story in Genesis. Adam and Eve was, you know, God is a God is are hiding from God because they think God is mad. And God wasn't. God was not mad. God was not hiding from them. God who t- was. <laughs> who told you you weren't wearing you, clothes? Wait a minute. You're fine. You're not naked. What does naked mean? It means you're lacking something. It's this lie of lack. You're not lacking anything. You're fine. Where are you? Why did you change? What happened here? So it's this idea that they were forsaken. That they were forsaken. And so Jesus. Okay. So humans are in this prison of I'm forsaken by God. So how do you reach somebody in prison? You go into the cell with them, and so even in our own delusion of being forsaken, I believe Jesus embodied that in in Himself, and He Himself felt forsaken by God. And that's why He says, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken me?" Not because God forsakes, because God can't forsake. No, He, re- he never.
0: Forsaken. He released us by by dying and going to the grave and setting the captives free, and then rising again. I think it's
3: atonement. He really it's, was. It's not. He was. He was coming into our own delusion. No, I, no, no. I honestly believe at that <laughs> well, no. moment Jesus became no. sin. In that moment, it's, then it's all, it's all,
0: it's all just an, a delusion. It's then. a complete it's, delusion. It would all be fake. Then it's all fake. Yeah, Jesus is all fake. No, he's a delusion. <laughs> is fake. <laughs> no
3: separation and rejection. No, Jesus. Is fake.
0: Jesus. Is, God has never Jesus, been lied, separate from Jesus us. lies. Jesus lied to us. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I for our think, own good, but he lied. He, he's, he's pragmatic. I told I. I, I I th- I always thought he was principal. I think you might uh, be
1: constructing a straw man. No, no, but
0: I, no. But I do want to say that, that that we are s- the lie is that we are separated. If we are separated from our end, not right. on God's end, then you would then, preach. Then, then we don't need a perfect sacrifice. No, we don't. <laughs> That's what I'm we saying. actually don't. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus being the perfect sacrifice, God is satisfied by death. God un- wasn't requiring it. The un, yes, he was. The unblemished.
2: Land Sacrifices you have
0: not, a sacrifice you have not desired. What is he? So, so obedience then? Obedience is what's required. God desires mercy and no, not sacrifice. Well, that that that, that there's a, there's also one that says obedience. All right, uh, so it's so, so, proved so, inerrancy. So okay, so I, I, I need- <laughs> so well, no. But the point the point is that okay. So it's obedience and it's mercy. So you do you, you you're obedient and you're merciful. Then you you're not separated from God. Okay, let's go with that. Well, I don't think it's conditional. But, but it's mercy. That, uh, if it's not sacrifice, it's mercy. That passage says mercy. So, I, I mean, it, it's there in the passage. I think people wanted the sacrifice. Uh, well, Adam and Eve had knew nothing of sacrifice, right. and yet God provided an animal skin. Uh, now, many see that as the to first sacrifice. If, if you don't, okay, fine. Um to to just get rid of the idea of sacrifice as just an invention of man, I I, I just goes against the entire Bible. Like all, from the old from the beginning,
1: yeah. all the way through. I think it goes against.
0: And then there's sacrifice even instituted again in the on the new earth. Uh, I, I,
1: I, I to to get rid of it like that, it just doesn't. Well, it a I lot of things wouldn't make sense. I'm not invalidating any of what you just said. Um, we're we're gonna sort of yeah, start to land this plan, of, yeah. Um, but uh, and obviously, I think the listener can discern that we, we are jumping off the scripture in very different ways um, from each other. So,
2: right. And as I listen to you, Scott, I'm like, okay, I I I understand where you're coming from in that why Jesus, if there's like Jesus doesn't serve a purpose if there is um separation. If there's not separation. Uh, if there's not separation. And but there's something in there's something in the the heart of things that's almost unsaid that I can't. I have no way to justify because it's not direct within the Bible. It's your intuition. It's, Go for I, it. I, I just don't even know if it's intuition, but as I, as I think about Jesus giving us, like sending the Holy Spirit to live within us, that we ourselves were given something greater to... A greater power, a belief—like literally, it is faith in the decisions that we make. There's something on our hearts that was that was sent to us that we tap into, as you said earlier, Jamal. And I cannot look in with the like. I can I can th- look at it through the lens of Scott and go, and there's no way I. I pass through that filter with the Bible and there's no way that I can really it's kind of justify like what it is, but it's something so much greater that I even understand. Um, if you said, well there's X, y and Z and you know we sinned and G- and God sent his only son to die, he was perfect and that reconciles the, the everything the sin the like and brings us back to our true selves if we recognize that and it's in the recognizing of like we're in the we're in the we're in the heaven we're knocking and we're we're really on the inside like we're there but do we even realize it and it's when we do realize it that there's something um there's something there that is amazing, but I can't even, I can't fathom myself of how I even get to explain that. I don't want to explain it. I want to live. You've been live. trying to for like... <laughs> no, but but in that tangent, in my thought process, it's like, I, I it's too... Like I wouldn't look. It sounds like good news. Yeah, I wouldn't look at Jesus and be like, (laughs) "Let me explain this to you." Be like, "Why? Just live."
0: Yeah. So I, I, I do like I do like that aspect. I was I was just I was mainly um, trying to think about the that the other aspect. So yeah, we, we, Scott, you're, you're res- beautiful. You're yeah, fine. In some respects, we are in God's kingdom, and, we, and that that's how that's how we are to live. Yeah, absolutely. And if I come
2: back to your thoughts I think in all respects, of where a lot of times, nah, not all respects, a There's lot no of way. a lot of times where you rest, and, and so many people do, and like, well, um, I would say, well, we need to be obedient, and we need to love, and you would say, well, I need you to like how? What does that look like? And be like, I cannot explain it, but when when situations arise we respond like we don't react we respond with like that woman in the parking lot being mugged just turning and and tapping into something and if someone said why did you do that like uh
1: apparently it's all she knew i can't
2: exp- i can i can only explain to you that all she could do like nope like so few people would respond that way well,
0: and, and, that's a, and that's a good story and I think someone mentioned on our podcast uh, a few episodes ago where someone uh, there a, a, a it's of not people. just
2: a good example it okay. is something <laughs> I going to mention another example it, it's similar. just it's something that but I'm not I'm not no I'm not con- I'm, I'm, I'm saying that it's something that you can't explain to somebody because it doesn't make any sense and the like how it plays out doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, and the, the other, and then a
0: couple of weeks ago, or a couple of episodes ago, a few episodes, someone mentioned a story about a group of people having a, a dinner party or whatever on their porch, and it might have been you last time you were here. So maybe a that year was ago. more than a couple of episodes. Um, ago. And then someone went in their backyard and like tried to rob them, and they said, "Someone's like, oh, do you want a glass of wine?" And then uh, something, and then all, of, and then he drops it whatever weapon he had and so I, I think those stories are cool um, I, I, I'm just I'm not
2: they're more than cool
0: I'm not sure that that's always cool but not practical it's, it's not uh, yeah it's not I think it's gonna get people killed <laughs> um, you heard the st- Maybe. you heard stories about about uh, people it got um, Jesus killed It, it he, um, took the words well around, uh, right yeah so I mean you hear the stories about uh, they're, they're more lefty types Um and i'm saying that because that's how they would describe themselves but uh they you know they 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 are looking at people at the margins and, and they they don't want to be islamophobic and they're you know they they they're white but they 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 hate white people so they they go to a foreign country um you know middle eastern country muslim country to to show that hey you know everyone everyone's just everyone's good you know and what happens is you know the women end up getting raped and murdered um, when they were just trying to go and show how everyone's just loving and uh, you know just want everyone wants peace, um, it's it's not it's not always the best thing. Um, you know there, there are I think there are, the, the the statistics are hundreds of thousands of people uh, defend themselves with a gun every year. Um, so I you know. St- I don't know that the option, as far as saving your own life or saving a loved one, which, in my view, saving a loved one is also an act of love. Um, I, I don't know that the op- the 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 best option is to let down your defenses and allow your attacker to
1: hopefully respond. Do you have any thoughts, Jamal, to do to all this? I recognize that we have we have had you in silence. We, he's we, well. He's very kind and patient. He is. Yes, he's a no, good listener.
3: No, I to- I totally hear your heart. Um, I think I don't what- have a heart, Jamal. <laughs> of course you do. I think what what I hear you saying. Let me and you correct me if I'm wrong. Sounds hear- like you're
2: separated, Scott. We'll continue.
3: <laughs> 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 what I what I hear you saying is that you don't like the idea of pat of like doing nothing.
0: Well, I. If it worked, if it was, if it was a utopia, sure, right. It's always, if it's always, always going to work.
3: But what I hear you saying is, in yeah. the real world, the way things actually are, this is not a feasible way of life, uh, in the sense of a love ethic, not fight or flight kind of thing. Like, I, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's one or the other. That you can,
0: that you, that if you, if you have the the parasympathetic heart uh, mm-hmm. uh, default position, that you can't have fight or flight. I think you can have both. And that lady demonstrated it. She wasn't walking around. She had to think about it and drop into it i think sure. because you said um but you can't have that in a car when you're driving right you got you, you got you got you got to act you're not gonna act in your heart now maybe when it comes to road rage okay sure uh you you, you hopefully I think, right I,
3: I hear i hear what you're saying and i my my under my response would be i think uh awareness is the best A best to be aware to be conscious um and when you're in this place of the heart like you're aware it's not like naivete and it's not like i'm just passive and not not responding it's but you're aware in a place that fear is not driving you because fear and it's understandable i get it it's for survival we needed the fight or flight to stay alive you know, especially you know, primitive days. Well, and it's know.
0: easy for us in like Orange County to say, ah, you know, uh, totally. I you don't totally need to get walk it. around on eggshells, you know, or or just a, you know,
3: I to, I to, I totally get it, um, but I do believe it's possible to operate from a place, and we're and this is the learning process, and again, this is to come out of anxiety and fear and to start operating from a place of what if you were powerful beyond measure, what if you had possession of. Like what Jesus said, look, don't worry about anything like you, you're, you have a parent, you have a source, basically, however you want to put this, that knows everything that you need. I want you to just worry about what's coming, like the kingdom, this essence, this realm from the internal place. I want you to really be tapped into that because what's going to come from that is everything that you need. That that's a peaceful, that's a, that's, there's no fight or flight in that. But so much of our strategy and our way we approach life, it comes from this anxiousness of, of of what about this? How do we prepare against this? What about this? And then there's a sense of prudence, and I get it. But when we're – I honestly think like you don't have to actually even worry about those things. When you're proactively serving and loving from a place of rest, right? there's a guy. he was He's a sales guy, but he would say you don't ever have to worry about your life. All you have to worry about is – if you make sure that everybody else, if you help everybody else get what they are after in life, mm-hmm. you will never lack for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a principle. It's a God. There's universal laws that govern the universe, the way things work. And I think that's one of them. Yeah. And, and, and I do. I I do walk around kind
0: of like like you know Zach was mentioning before. I, yeah, I, mean, I think I want to get fired every time I go into work. You know, I now ironically I I don't walk around thinking like oh okay, is this guy is this guy uh, a threat is he a threat like is he a threat? because i live in Orange in Orange right. county is like right. uh i live in one of the top 10 safest cities in the world uh, um the question i would you know,
3: ask is why does it matter if you do get fired why would that be concerning well see
0: to you? yeah that so um It's, I get it's it. the
3: future it's the unknown you, totally. you know
0: um, i yeah I, I don't have anyone else to worry about um, right now uh but but yeah, it, it's just the the unknown. Um, uh, you know what? Everything I've worked for so far. Totally. Do I lose that? Am I going to be able to find another job? Sure. Um, Will yeah, I be okay? Yeah, basically. it's just yeah, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. I I think I would be okay because I mean, sure. It's not like I, you know, I I have very few fancy things. Um. I'm 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 pretty I'm pretty flexible. I sure. guess you could say I can kind of go anywhere. Oh, we don't want to get into that, but uh,
2: I do. That is a good segue. But if you have, you want uh, to continue on? No,
0: we, I mean, we can, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, actually, everyone on the podcast knows. I'm, yeah, I'm still living in my car. Uh, So, I I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's more of, I, I just, in some sense, I don't, I have low expectations for myself, but I also, have high expectations for myself um so uh, at one point i thought you know i would never make this much money right and it was, it's not really high that, that, that level that i had in my mind it's not really high but then i was like okay now i'm i'm making more than that and it's like well shoot but that could be taken away anytime sure
1: right? you're speaking right into his book
0: yeah yeah and that's because I wanted to get back to the book. I've, I've taken up a lot of time. So I'll, just, I'll take up more
1: time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
0: no, Zach mentioned that you might do some life coaching for me today. Uh, um, he, no, already, but, he already started. You just no, don't know it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Send the yeah, invoice waiting. to
1: Scott at Bro's Bibles Beer. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, no, I, I have both. It's a, it's a paradox where I, I have a low expectation, but a high expectation, like you mentioned before, like doing great things for the kingdom. I, I, I wanna I want to do great things but I'm also you know I, I I feel like I can't leave my current church and you know there's like 30 people that go there and it's like is that a great thing I, well maybe maybe not maybe it doesn't matter I'm just gonna do whatever I can for this congregation um it doesn't matter how many people go there right but but I want but I also think that hey there might be more um but at
2: current have you been led have you been like has your spirit led you to like Detach. So right so I,
0: I have a pull to go somewhere else, but but it's also like I can't go yet. Hmm. My my whole life's like a paradox. Like there's gonna be this, but right now, hey, there's this. And it's m- like maybe the that's kingdom gonna...
1: already, but not yet. Yes,
0: yes. There are, there are there are aspects. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's
1: it's yeah. Just gonna attempt to I read
2: don't wanna it. I'm. I'm... I so appreciate. Jeff it. Jeff is
1: aware of the time that's running
2: out. With no, Scott, I'm just yeah, well, I'm... looking, just because you had this. Uh, what's that called? Dog-eared. Dog-eared. I uh, had so many dog-eared. The that we beauty didn't get to. of male provision. <laughs> Jamal, hmm. I it just uh, I did the second sentence. Years of abuse of male and female gender stereotypes and abuse of women by twisted masculine power schemes have masked the true beauty of the masculine essence care to talk about chapter 12
0: well and and just just for context that's that's that chapter is right after the myth of male
2: provision it is so how does how do those two okay say
3: that again uh, the the myth
2: so well there was the myth of male provision in chapter 11 but then the beginning of the beauty of male provision is the beauty of male provision, right Okay. Yeah. The beauty. <laughs> that,
3: that's the paradox there.
2: Right, right. Okay. So has something in the our our maleness been torn to shreds, or where yeah. does this chapter lead us? Well, there's
3: a lot in that. Okay. So and again, I, I recognized when I was writing that chapter, that could be a book in itself. Um, but I wanted to mention it because, oh, because I'm a man and I'm, I'm writing from that perspective, but. I, I do, so when I when I understand God Source everyone whatever you know how do you want to define that I understand God to be some people say God is genderless but I I have a friend that always says that God, he likes to put it this way God is not genderless God is gender full in the sense oh, that, that got, yeah because you know if you look at the created realm you, what you see is male and female and i believe that male and female represent the essence of the divine so male and female were created in the image and likeness of god because these these are qualities of the source that are these or bo- both and i and i and again i know there it, it's a sensitive topic in our culture and i get it but i what i look there are things i believe that i, I my my, my, my Can I,
2: is it sensitive because people are hurting
3: yes because they're hurting. I think you're spot on. I, I think people were hurting because of... Well, see, I would say that each person contains a mixture of masculine and feminine energy essence within themselves, wherever you want to put that. Because we, we... But we express ourselves predominantly. You know, there's male, female. Again, this is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. But with there is something very distinct about maleness. There's something very distinct about the feminine qualities, too, which I believe also all point back to the divine source. But there's something about, and what I've come to understand is that there's a, I, I was married before. So just to be completely honest, I was in that and I was in that, I was really more in a traditional evangelical uh, kind of understanding as a married man before. And I really felt the sense of burden, like your job as Mm. a husband, as a man is to provide for your family. And it is a sense of obedience and duty. Now, I, I have a belief that nobody does anything because they're supposed to. That, that appeals to the, <laughs> to the low energy part of us. That's, it's like telling somebody, clean your room, eat, do your dishes, you know, eat, your, eat all your food. It's like, but I think you really get into higher essence, higher frequency when you appeal to love, when you appeal to service. Then you're, you're tapping into like, oh, this is who I Because who are we as people? We are, we are beings made in the image and likeness of God. And who is God? Love. God is love. So love at the, the ethic of the, the essence of love is service. I really firmly believe that. So when we start tapping into our love our essence as a person, then it's like, Oh, there's some beauty here. So um, if I feel like I have to do something eh, that doesn't appeal to my essence, but if I feel like it appeals to like my essence of like of a of a lover. I'm a, I'm a lover. I like to see. I'm that's who I am. Your
1: podcast is called Free to Love. Free to Love. And you
3: wrote a book with the same title. Dude, I I'm a lover. It's who I am. So please, please don't look at me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Scott's but, not a big on eye contact. He's so, not a big on eye contact. So here's the thing. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> somebody would
3: say, oh, "Well, you're you're a newlywed." But honestly, what I do, I but I was married before. I get it. So in my in my new it, with 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 my wife. Now, like one of the things I do, and I love to do, it, I love to make a cup of coffee every morning for her and bring it to her. She can do it. It's easy. But I love to do it because it tap it keeps me connected to my essence as somebody who's serving, who's giving. Like, that's what I want to do. And so then there, I started to realize as I got married, because I've had this kind of funky uh, relationship with money and service I kind of resented the the what was being put on me before in my evangelical days this is your duty to provide so I reject it because it, it, it's more of a culture like men that's what men do but I think we're coming out of that in our culture women provide as well women are able to make a living in the workforce all these kinds of things but as I as I get settled into who I am as a man I really feel like in my sense of significance as a as a human also, as a man, what I have found growing within me is a desire to serve through provision. And it actually feels good. It doesn't feel like duty. It doesn't feel like my identity's on the line. It doesn't feel like it's a test. It just feels like I want to do this. I get to do this. and I, I it, So male provision comes when I bring my wife a cup of coffee. That's part of provision. You know, if I cook her breakfast, if I serve her in any way massage, whatever it is, or if it's even if I, if I'm uh, bringing in income financially, massage it feels good.
4: Don't
3: lie. <laughs> but it, it, it is, it, it, I do believe there's a sense of, so, so maleness, I have a friend that he talks about this. Like if you, again, I, I don't want to get too graphic here, but
1: like you get as graphic as you need to,
3: if you look at the human anatomy, even.
1: Okay. That's in that chapter, which yeah. it is why I dog eared it. Yeah. It, I liked it.
3: So, so males have their genitalia is on the outside of the body. And it's external. So the way a man gives sexually is through giving externally from outside. It's actually designed to go this out. This
2: is a great metaphor.
3: External to, be, to be given. He's using his hands. <laughs> okay. <on>. All <laughs> right. That <laughs> was demonstrative. But, <laughs> but there's a, the feminine <laughs> essence is to receive. It's to receive. It's. I've noticed that it's really interesting. When my wife receives from me, I feel like she's actually giving to me. It's really interesting. I feel like it's coming back to me, but it's it's through the context I love to to give in such a way that it feels like it's being received. There's no resistance. So, and then when it's being received and enjoyed, then it's like, yes, now that's that's a sense of like that's It's about more than you getting what you want. Totally. But yeah. in that I feel very satisfied. Right. Uh, but there's an essence of the feminine kind of receiving, even if you look at the body, how does, how does a, the anatomy work? The female anatomy is designed to receive. So
0: I probably, I probably agree, but man, you make a lot of feminists really angry. I, I get that.
3: I get that. <laughs> well, I don't, and I don't care. I, I'd love it. No, no, I, 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 but, but I think, <laughs> but uh, it's not meant to be, I don't mean to put anybody in a box. I'm just noticing what is, what feels, right. um, but but at the end, it's like like I said before. I believe that we have a mixture within us. Right. There are moments, there are times where I I will be more in my what I would call the quote unquote feminine essence, and I want to receive. Yeah, and and then she will maybe more in her masculine essence, than she wants to. And give. it's
1: not a blanket saving on right everybody. It's just ge- generally and in your particular relationship. Totally. This is this is how it is, and. There are versions of it, no matter what the stripes of the relationship look like. Totally. In Ab- my mind.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But the masculine essence, energy, if you want to put it that, in my understanding is really desires to give and to serve. Um, and that's why I wrote, okay, the, the myth of male provision, but also the beauty of male provision. Right. right? That the, that, um, that these two are not... Um, the myth is that it's uh, a duty that you somehow you have to... This is a this is an obligation that's put on you and it's a test, but uh, that takes us out of the energy, uh, it takes us out of the essence of what you know what we're here to do. I mean, why? Did, I mean, can, can you imagine? Um, why did God create the universe? Because, because God wanted to, <laughs> not because
0: God had to. I, I think it's because he had to, but I'm developing that theory. But go ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, and so, so the essence is like, well, why do we do anything? Because we want to. Because we desire to. We, it's That's the highest essence of what you, you know, uh, there's no obligation
2: in, uh, in delight. Yeah. Mm. So I love your uh, stream of thought and this uh, living for a living. I think you started off and I had to ask you a question. Like, where's your passion? You're like, life. Like, life is just capturing... Every day, and as you end, you know our discussion here. Just your servitude, heart. uh, Like I'm going to serve, I'm going to give, not like needing or wanting reciprocation, but knowing that it that will just happen if I serve and serve well.
1: There was a uh, one of my dog ears and notes was about the time where you. you sold your house and then you moved in with people and you were sharing life for a year. And then you, after that, that time ended, I almost said season. I should have just said season. Season's fine. I try to, Jamal, I try to avoid Christianese. (laughs) Season is used way too much, but I recognize that sometimes it just works. It fits. Yeah. So caveat done. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You, you, uh, you have this, you're talking about like you felt like God was telling you to, okay, you get a place with extra space and then you can do what was done for you, which was super interesting. And, um, I don't know if you want to comment on that. I know we're, we're wrapping up and I, I do have, so if you want to comment on that, do I, before we're done, I have to advocate for the dark Lord. Uh, on, on something regarding this book. Wow. I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't advocate for the devil. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but grief, we've never <laughs> had a moment like this, <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, the, I don't know. What, what do you, do you have anything to share on that? I mean, on that passage. Yeah. Yeah. There's
3: a section of the book where I talk about, yeah. uh, yeah, I sold, we sold my, our home and, and felt like, uh, we needed to just downsize, become minimalist in that sense. And, and to live and, and, and graciously people like, uh, this was a season of <laughs> season of my life. Uh, I c I'd just come back from an over, you know, three month uh, spent time in the middle East, uh, China, Nepal, India, Tibet, all those places. And just really felt like was challenged with needing to simplify and downsize. So we sold our home. We ended up moving in with folks that said, Hey, look, we got plenty of room, come live with us. And we, you know, that was a, that was a season. <laughs> that was a season where I learned a lot about vulnerability. Learned a lot about um, just uh, learning to receive. And it, that was a that was not easy season, as you probably. Oh uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, can relate I, you to know, I'm not
0: this. complaining, um, but you know, it's not the best. Right. But yeah, no, no complaints. Yeah.
3: There's yeah. a lot of lessons that you. I mean, I'm sure you could speak to that, but I, I remember. That was a unique time in my life, but I remember distinctly, this is so crazy, the journey. I, I was driving home, and I think I talked about this in the book, mm-hmm. and I had this conversation. I, I, I sensed internally, and it was all happening internally. So I try to put it in a in a linear format, but it's right. more of a knowing. But it was God communicating, saying, okay, you have received a lot in this season with people living and folks. But I, when you get back to where you live in, because we were home visiting family, you're going to get your own place. And you're going to get not just your own place. You're going to get enough room. There's going to be another bedroom in your place so that you can host people so that you can begin to give back and host in such a way that you've been on the receiving. And now you're going to be on the giving end of this. It's funny because I didn't have any money. Yeah. So it was like, well, there's really no way I can actually feasibly do this. But that was what I sensed. So in the sense of obedience, like, oh, so this is what I'm supposed to do. Cool. Like, I want to do that. Like, it's not like I don't want to do it, but I'm like, I don't know how it's going to actually happen because I don't have any money. (laughs) I mean, just in a practical sense. So in the book, the chapter actually spells out actually how that happened. And that is exactly what happened. Mm. Ended up getting a place, extra bedroom. It was probably the most expensive. It was a luxury apartment, actually. And uh, I walked right into it and all the provision came that, and mm. uh, we had that extra bedroom filled the whole time, and it was just beautiful. And it was an example of, hey, you don't have to worry about how; you just follow the lead. The mm. flow is dictating.
1: You just, you just, you just keep
3: it all work out. Don't that worry is, about it. Yeah. So I, I share that in the book, and yeah, talk about that
1: example. So. Love it. So I do love that. Um, <laughs> is
2: this the Dark Lord part? Here comes the butt. <laughs> but,
1: uh My going back to. Was it the doctor that had the daughters that he talked to? Doctor had two 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 children. Yeah, yeah. So how does that play out in a situ? This is co- So that situation was coming from a place of uh, the the word privilege is overused, but I'm going to use it here. Uh, mm. the The privilege to be able to do that to take care of your kids in a way that they don't they don't have to worry about things. Yes. Jeff, like, Jeff like, is pouring some wine for Jamal. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, some for himself. So
3: the idea, the idea is like, okay, you're living, uh, and I don't want to cut you off, but like the idea is like you live in the West. Yeah. You have these, these, um, you have, a, you, you have access to a lot of resources. How does
1: that concept play out in a situation where there isn't that, where the, the need to survive, uh, That that's my one thing. As I'm reading your book, which I'm loving and I'm not. I, I don't have any problems with it, um, it but that's seemed, what that's what pops into my head is people mm. that where there is a literal struggle f- for survival. Yes, the ability to do what that debt father did and to shift from survival
0: mode to I'm gonna follow my desires mode. Uh, most people in history have not had that luxury. Uh, most people were living every day and they had to. Somehow oh, find a way to survive. Yeah,
1: in a sense, it's, what is the elevator pitch for this book hmm. for people that are are more towards that end?
3: That's first of all a fantastic question. Thank
1: you. Um,
3: and it it is it is a question I've had, and actually the entire time I was writing the book, and even even before that in my life, I've had this. I've had what I've heard is like this this running kind of dialogue in my head that was saying. Hey, you know the reason that you can think about this stuff, (laughs) you can really spend a lot of time thinking and writing about the subject, is because you're the beneficiary of folks who busted their ass, working. So my dad grew up in the third world, grew up in East Africa, tough life, survival is, it was not. You talk about him a lot in this book, so I don't negate that. Actually. I, I, um, I was recently at a talk where this guy was talking about. So, you understand the concept of midrash, right? Mm-hmm. So, midrash.
1: We all do, but for the listener. For the listener. Yeah, Okay. Yeah, okay. The idea,
3: idea of midrash is the, the way that ancient, <laughs> in, in ancient Judaism, the way they would teach. So, for example, they would take like a a, a story from the Old Testament, like uh, a passage from Scripture, and the way they would they don't t- they didn't teach it the way you know like ex- expositionally line by line the kind of way we do it here, Post but it's rationalism, right? Right, or it, Enlightenment. It, it was it was very much. It's the reason Jesus told a lot of parables and told stories because the Midrash the idea of a Midrash is they would make up fictional like fiction fictitious stories about a. Uh, to communicate a deeper truth. Mm-hmm. So for example, let's say the Jews, the Jews are, you know, they're, they're leaving Egypt and they're, they're crossing the, the, the Red Sea. So the idea is w- the way they would teach about, okay, w- what would the, uh, what would they be going through? They would say, oh, there was a man and he had two sons and they were walking through and uh, the water appeared before them. And then they said, fought one son said to the father, daddy, you know, and so they just would extrapolate and how to like help the reader or the under or the hearer understand this is what, this means it's like a story. So there was, that's, that's the idea of a midrash. So I was listening to this teacher recently who talked about, there was a midrash that tried to extrapolate the meaning of what it means. The 10 commandments, one of the 10 Commandments that says, honor your father and mother. What does it mean to really honor your father and mother? And so there's a midrash that says an ancient Jewish midrash that kind of extrapolates that and says to truly honor your mother and father is you understand their struggle. What was the thing that 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 they really wrestled with, and you take it in your life and you overcome it, you transcend it, and that spoke to me the volumes that really spoke to me it was like, oh my goodness, to take the struggle because we're born when we're born we're not born you know in, in in a vacuum we're born we're affected by the by the journey the life of our mother and father and the things they experience and I can I can test that I've 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 literally a descendant of my parents. And so like their journey is now my journey, but, but the way they may have not been able to transcend things in their life. They, you know, but I'm going to do that in my life. And then we would hope for our children that they just move beyond. That's the idea of the sense of like honoring the struggle. Because if you
0: don't, like if you, if you end up, yeah, either let's say destitute economically or destitute mentally or spiritually or whatever, Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's dishonoring to your ancestors totally. because essentially they are working yeah. their butts off
3: for you to be where that, I'm at yeah, and to move beyond.
0: Yeah. And, and so when, you know, you know, and I, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. I mean, going, going back to what I was saying earlier about my low and high expectations is I have high expectations because yeah, I mean, my, my, my grandma, my mom's side, her, her husband died when they were, when my mom was young and she raised mm-hmm. five kids on her own. It's totally. like, Okay, well, shoot. What am I, you know, how 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 can I not live up to that? Right. And then a lot of us have grandparents who fought in World War II, and, you right, know, it's yeah, like, yeah. well, shoot. To hear about what they went through or what people went through in Vietnam,
3: it's like, how do you not appreciate
0: their appreciate efforts? the struggle? And yeah. a lot
3: of times what they would say, and this is interesting, folks who fought in war and conflict, they would say I, I don't want my kids to go through this. I want my kids to transcend this so that they don't Mm -hmm. have to, I experience this so that they don't. And that's where I I don't know if that directly addresses your question, but like, what do you, what do you say about somebody who's suffering? Who's in the third world? Well, I honestly feel like, yeah, it is from a place of privilege that I can have this conversation, but it's because of their sacrifice. Like I want to honor their sacrifice Mm -hmm. by having this conversation so that we don't have to keep repeating this. And then, for example, I, I in the book I talk about this. I've I've been to Africa. Um, I have family in Africa, in um, Kenya, I suppose, so to speak. But like I was in Kenya and in Cameroon actually. And there were some conversations I had in the book where I include that in the book. Uh, one guy in particular, he he literally sat me down. I mean, he worked for the mayor's office of this town we were in, and he said, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure." He said, "Do you think the the soil in Africa is different than the soil in Europe or in America?" <laughs> I was like, no. I was like, where is he going? I was like, no, it's the same. He's, how about your DNA? The DNA of the people that live in Europe or America. Is it different than the DNA of our South Africans?
0: Oh, uh, well, maybe, you know, sickle cell. <laughs>
3: maybe, but, you know. <laughs> okay. But I get, his essence of it was like, like no, it's. It's we. so funny. I thought the same thing, Scott. <laughs> I'm not joking.
1: It's all <laughs> a construct. So <laughs> I was
3: like, but no, I hear what he's saying is like, we're, we're all people, right? We're yeah. all humans. I'm like, yeah, we are. And he's like, there are no third world people. He said that that is a term that's put on us. He was the real poverty in Africa is the mindset that we are poor. He said, that is what is, that's why you look at our continent and you see such devastation is because it's a psychological deprivation. He said, but we are no different. And he said, and so I, it really spoke to me. I thought, and here's a man. And so when I looked at him and his life, he was a product of his society. a society's very poor country, very poor society, but you wouldn't know it from looking at him. And actually he had a lot of resources and he served a lot of people in his community, not because he was rich, but because he had an entirely different approach to life yeah. and he operated very differently, but it was as rare. And I, um, I felt like I had that conversation because that was the devil's advocate in my mind. I'm like, am I just making this up? but he, he confirmed the whole thing he's like no he's like when, when when people in poverty start stop thinking like poor people that's when the poverty externally changes
0: yeah and there, and there are people in America that, that come from wealthy families or come from middle class families that have that mentality yeah. and they, they 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 never get out of a high school mentality totally. or or they, you know they never they never grow beyond uh, they, they never mature. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's whether it's in whether it's in Africa or in in in, in uh, India or, where or you know L.A. or, um, you know the, the Manhattan Manhattan or wherever name another, name another city. Someone name another city. Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, that that you could just be stuck in that, and right. whether it's a product of your environment, the way you're raised, or whether something happened to you, um, or you just decided. Like I I could I could totally I can easily see myself. Falling, follow, falling into that with my low expectations sure. side and saying, hey, you That's know, your shadow you self. Know, you know, it's 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 it's, okay. it's your dark a lot, a lot of people like this, you know.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say a poverty mindset can also lead to, and this is what's crazy, and I talk about this in the book, a poverty li- mindset can actually lead to financial hoarding. Yeah. So, for example, and that's where you see that I believe that you see the chasm in our societies of the haves and have nots. You know, you have you have a small percentage of people that control the vast majority of wealth. Um, and then you have the majority of folks who are on the bottom bottom end. What Where does that come from? It comes from a mindset of fear and poverty. So there's this sense of hoarding. So if we live in a land of plenty, a world of plenty, um, then then the. Structures, institutions, systems, economic systems, uh, policies that create wealth uh, inequality, I believe would go away if we truly understood because a lot of these uh, when you understand that there is actually enough resources, there is no reason that And that
1: almost has to come from as, as much as people on the bottom need to shift their mind that the more importantly, th- the, the, yeah. the people with it, yes, with it all because fear change is going to happen when they change their yeah. their poverty I think say. it's
3: both because fear because fear is driving them as well. If yeah. you if you if you talk to some of these folks it's like we have to we have to protect our resources. So we have to because it's fear, fear of lack, fear of loss, all of these things and these are these are things that we don't ultimately I believe are illusions because we live in a plentiful world, a plentiful universe. Um, so we don't need to we don't need to be creating policies or institutions or structures. So I, people say, well, is it it's just mindset? Just change the mindset, everything changes? Yes, but that also will affect the institutions we're creating, the policies, the types of decisions we're making. At,
1: at, at Start walking with that mindset. Yeah,
3: totally. So, for example, I'll give you an example of this just real quick. I know we're running a on time, but like the, I think I heard a leadership of Burger King, for example. So Burger King, most of their employees, like a huge majority of their employees are on public assistance. And so the, the, the leadership of the CEO of, or the family that runs Burger King basically encourages their employees to seek out public assistance to help them pay their bills, you know, because, you know, Burger King, you're not going to make enough to, to pay your bills. At the same time, which is, which is schizophrenic, the, the the same people that are governing this organization are also lobb- also involved politically at a level where they're trying to cut back on those same services. So they're lobbying for policies that would cut back on social services. So it's it's like, OK, there's a disconnect here. You're encouraging mm-hmm. your folks. You're not paying them enough to earn a, a decent living. Then you're encouraging them that they seek out public assistance, but yet you're you're against the public assistance at a deep level. You feel like it's immoral thing; it's not right. So you're advocating for policies that would cut back on the public. So there's a there's a there's a movement that started, and it's a movement with some CEOs, and they're saying, okay, capitalism. They call it conscious capitalism. It's not ca- so. What does it really mean? Like the, harnessing the power of capitalism. So capital- capitalism is this idea of like we want to provide value. So we're we're entrepreneurs. We're creating businesses and systems where we're going to – so is it possible that we create businesses in which our bottom line is not simply financial profit but human development, human betterment?
0: Well, yeah. I mean I think we are running out of time. But yeah, it's hard for a business to hire someone – when they can't make money off of that person because then there's no reason to hire them. And robots are going to replace fast food workers, anyways. But anyway, the book is Living for a Living <laughs> wow. by Jamal Givanji. And if I could wow. just read something from the forward here by Jim Palmer Jamal is living, not just existing. Anyone who knows Jamal knows this about him. His moment of enlightenment was discovering the truth that we are not born into this world to go to work, pay bills wait for heaven, and die. We are here to live completely in all respects. Our chief vocation in this life is to live, hence his title, Living for a Living. Amen. Yes. Thank you.
2: I don't know if that was the end. Thank just, you, Jamal. I thought, thought it would be, be good. No, that's, good job, that Scott. is good. Thank <laughs> you so much. This is a great conversation.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. It always that's two for two, Jamal. And the next time, I will expect nothing less. Always, always great. Give us your credentials. What's the, your online credentials? We'll buy in the book, finding you yeah. life coaching.
3: Yeah. You can go to uh, JamalJivanjee. my website. And Do you want to uh, spell it? Yeah, J-A- can use the book to yes. J a. Yes. J a m a l and then J i v as in Victor. A n j e e. Two E's at the end. Dot yeah, right. com. So go there. Um, my website, uh, my, my coaching website and uh, podcast um, is, is all linked there on the website and people can get in touch with me there. And
1: you'll come and speak at people's churches, establishments, clubs. Yeah. Wherever.
3: Yeah. I'm totally open to that. One of the things I do is I mean, I do. I'm a life coach, so I, I work with people individually and also work with small businesses and talking, you know, human you know, development and employee development, that kind of thing. So, yeah, do
1: all that kind of thing. Nice. Cool. Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming out here, driving all the way out here. I, I really appreciate that. Skype is great when we need to, but in the flesh, it's the best. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate
0: yeah. It.
1: yeah, thanks a lot for yeah. just coming out.
3: Cool. Yeah. Jeff, you good?
2: Feeling okay? I love you, Jamal. <laughs> thank you. I'll be too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Amen.